Good evening and welcome to the Chase Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra B. And as a therapist, I have been helping couples find their way back to love and each other for over 20 years. Join me and learn new ways to create, build, and renew the communication, connection, and commitment in your love life. Change starts with you, so come in and join the conversation. Good evening and welcome to the Chase Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra B. And this evening I have a awesome guest with me tonight. Um, he is an author, a pastor, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, and I'm actually going to stop talking and I'm going to let him introduce himself as well as his works and what he does and how he identifies himself. So. Well, thank you so very much. It's indeed an honor to be on the Chase Lounge and and to be sharing with your audience. My name is Timothy McCann. Um, I reside here in Atlanta, Georgia. As you mentioned, I am an ordained minister, a pastor, um, but I'm also an author. Uh, I've written four novels. Uh, Four of them was published back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And uh, I thought that I had broke my pen, that I would never write again. I swore I would never do that again. And then, I don't know if you all heard of it, but this thing called 2020 uh, came. And, yes, <laughs> and there was so much that was going on in 2020. Literally by May of that year, I thought, you know what? I got to drag my pen out. I got I to start writing again. And uh, I just wanted to to get all the stuff that I was feeling on paper, um, not to go too deep into it. But, um, you know, if you look at something like maybe the Great Depression or something like that that happened in our society, uh, you can read the New York Times to understand what happened in that day. But you have to read the Grapes of Wrath to right. know how the people felt. Uh, Steinbeck captured how they were feeling to to be hungry, to be in a bread line, to be uh, to give up hope. So I wanted to do the same thing with 2020 to because you know obviously there can be a lot of people recording what happened as we as we start to understand it. But I wanted to uh, record in a way how people were feeling. So that's that's what I'm doing, and I'm just so glad to be here and excited about this conversation. Well, can you can you tell us the book, uh, uh, the title of the book, if you don't mind, and, and, sure, and where they can get it when it comes out? The book is going to be released on April the 6th. Um, the title of the book is Divorcing Atlanta, Divorcing Atlanta. Um, and you can go to my website. Please go to my website, which is Pastor Timothy. And Timothy is spelled T-I-M-M-O-T-H-Y pastortimothy.com um, to sign up for the newsletter because if you sign up for the newsletter you'll get a free copy so there's going to be an incentive for doing that once the book is released uh, Divorcing Atlanta it's about uh, a pastor who goes through a relationship issue in 2020 um, and end up getting divorced but deeper than that Divorcing Atlanta is also about that mindset you know, uh, so many times people think that Atlanta is a panacea. If I can get to Atlanta, Lord, I'm get to Atlanta. People coming from Detroit and from and from uh, New York and from Chicago and from Alabama, and I'm trying to get to Atlanta. 
And many times they feel that they get to Atlanta, that the streets are made paved with gold and they're handing out jobs on I-75 and, you know, I'm going to meet the perfect woman, the perfect man, yada, yada, yada. Only to find out that once they get there, they got to put in work. That it's just a regular old city got put in work. And divorcing Atlanta uses that as a metaphor because just like marriage, people think, I can get married. Lord, if I get married, I'm going to get married. Find this man. Everything going to be great. He's going to make me breakfast in bed. She's going to always be nice. Only to find out that marriage takes work too. So divorcing Atlanta talks about those, how those two thoughts come together. And in one of the most despotic uh, years the world has ever seen, which is 2020. Yeah. And and I, I, I honestly like that analogy because um, that's exactly it. Most people, you know, think that when they get to Atlanta, because I lived there for a couple of years, that, yeah. oh, I'm a fine, I'm a, I'm a become a star. I'm going to become a model. I'm going to become, you know, every man or every woman is going to want me and, and everything is going to just come together. And like you said, like marriage, you have to put in work. Those people been grinding for years yeah that make it yeah. in Atlanta they don't just yeah. pop up on Atlanta scene and yeah. and world and the world is theirs that's not how this works just like the people that have been married for 20 30 40 years they've been grinding they've been grinding they've been Atlanta grinding. will Atlanta just like marriage will give you an opportunity for success yes that's all, that's all. it will give you an opportunity it's not going to be the end all be all Yes. That rest of that you've got to do yourself. Matter of fact, it's, I laugh when you mentioned about coming to be a star because that's literally a lie from the book, how people come here and think they're going to meet Tyler Perry. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're going to, he's going to say, hey, I discovered you at the subway and I'm going to make you a star. And that only happens in bad books and terrible movies. That doesn't right. happen in reality. <laughs> And so, uh, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, there is that misnomer out there. So the book dis- discusses, and uh, I don't want to tell, obviously I want, I want to tell you the end just now because it's very apropos to the discussion, but the book discusses how those two things uh, come together yeah. and how people can sometimes be very, very disappointed. Um, and then they want to say, I hate Atlanta. I yeah. hate marriage. It ain't got nothing to do with the soil in Atlanta. and It ain't got nothing to do with that paperwork in marriage. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, as hard as it is for me to say this, the problem is you, boo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all, all day long, right? Yeah, the problem is you. And, yeah. and it is, you know, Atlanta is Savannah. It's Miami. It's Jacksonville. It's Chicago. It's what you make it. Absolutely. And um, there's a great line in the book, Dante's Inferno, uh, I love because he says, a man can make a heaven out of hell or a hell out of heaven. Yeah. It's, what, right. you it. it's what you make it. Anyway. Yes, I 110% agree. I, I agree with you that. And, and so it's, it's kind of like a nice segue into the topic that we wanted to, that I wanted to talk with you about um, today, okay. which is love languages. Oh, wow. And so, you know, the love language, you know, we think that, you know, everybody, I didn't design them, you know, uh, but everybody's talking about them. But I don't think when I hear people talk about love languages, I don't think they understand the work that has to go into speaking. They think, well, as long as I know their love language and he know mine and she know his, that is, that's all that you need to know. No, 
you have to learn how to speak that love language, your spouse or your partner's love language fluently. Right. Right. And, and it doesn't, it's not the same for every partner, right? So quality wow. time for someone like myself, you know, in, in essence, it's similar, but my quality time may be different than the next woman that you date or whatever. And so it's learning that, what that means for that person, you know, because right. typically we think we all know what, you know, words of affirmation is, what gift giving is, what acts of service, physical touch, and quality time. We think that we know what the love languages are, but do you know how to speak them to your, to your partner? That's powerful. You're exactly right. The funny thing about love languages is, <clears throat> and I don't have, I don't, I'm not bilingual, but I do know people who are bilingual. And one of the things I've heard is when you truly become bilingual, if you speak English as your first language and French as your second language, and they say that when you start to think in French, this when it's become a part of you. You don't have to push it out. You don't have to, you don't have to think, how do I say X, Y, Z in French? It's a part of you. When your love language, when your partner's love language becomes your second nature, when yes. it becomes a part of you so that you don't have to think about it, but you do it, now you're starting to get there. And the tricky thing about love languages is, for instance, you mentioned that your love language is, uh, is time, time. And let's say that mine was uh, a gifts. Mine is gifts, you know. Um, I come from a place where uh, I didn't get birthday presents and Christmas presents. So, you know, as I got older, I wanted to make sure I gave those people. And when they give it to me, it takes me back to that, that little broken kid that didn't get a birthday present. Right. Well, I, I get this high-powered job and I'm doing well and financially I'm doing great and, and you don't have to work anymore and you could sit home. And, and um, I got a big meeting uh, that happens to overlap my anniversary. And I forgot the anniversary. But I come home and I say, you know what, though, honey, I bought you a diamond ring. Mm -hmm. And I've been, I've been satisfied because I did what I was supposed to do. But on the other hand, you might feel like a whore. Right. I just paid you off. Right. So what I've done is just the opposite of what I, t I tended to do. And because of that, you have so many people who get very frustrated in the process. Frustrated because it's like... It's just like the people, once again, using the other analogy, if we're married and you only speak English and I only speak French and all we do is have sex and that's great, but everything else is a war. <laughs> and so you're like, we don't connect with nowhere but the bed, but I can't, you know, it's like it's so, and that's what, that's, that's, that is the very frustrating part of love languages. And I think just like in the natural, um, trying to learn a secondary language, I think it begins with baby steps, Yeah, you know? Um, and even going further than that, Chandra, I think it's asking them, how does this make you feel? What does, when you say quality time, what does that mean? That means an hour a day? Does that mean two hours a day? Does that mean quality time to you could be 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> Just give me 15 minutes without, the, without your cell phone. Give right. me 15 minutes without talking to anybody, just me, you, one-on-one, -on -one, eye to eye, give me 15 minutes. It may not mean an hour every night or two hours on the couch. 
And but, in your, but when you tell me quality time, that's what I'm thinking. Oh right. God, she wants she want two hours every night. Lord, I gotta do this report. I gotta do X, Y, Z. So I believe it begins with just an earnest conversation. What can I do? Seriously, what can I do to make you happy? Right. And 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 make sure you get an answer to that question. Yeah. And and I think even with the example you gave about giving the diamond ring when it was the anniversary, one of the things that I noticed, you know, when I used to do couples counseling is that people people speak their love language fluently. So that's what they give instead of <laughs> learning their spouses. So because you're, you are a gift giver, you're giving me a gift and thinking, oh, this is great. Oh, this is the biggest, baddest ring. She gonna be so happy. Ooh, she gonna be happy. Right. But what they don't realize is that she didn't want that. She wanted you to end your meeting early enough so that you can spend time acknowledging her in that quality time. Boom. And that will turn her on to no end. To sit, for you to sit there and say, listen, sweetie, I looked at the time. I realized it was our time. I told them, listen, I got to get off the Zoom call. Um, I'll, I'll catch up with that later on. This is our time. Boom. That, you have, you've got more points than any diamond ring could ever bring you. That's because right. Because you bring her the diamond ring. Um, She's looking at the tag, like, you know what? I don't even want this. And then every time she sees that ring, she's going to feel alone. Yeah. Because that ring represents being alone to her. So what you wanted to do was something positive, turn out, once again, to be extremely negative to this person. So, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Just learning, honestly, just putting in the time to understand and even go even deeper than that. Try to understand where that comes from. Why is quality time important? Where does that come from? Because, and I could be wrong. I never, never talked to Gary Chapman who, and who wrote the book, but I don't think we're born with these things. I think we take them on in our life. Um, If a person needs words of affirmation, you could pretty much be sure they didn't get that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's funny because even when you described your story saying, you know, if you're a gift giver, it was that broken child that never got anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even, even, um, or it's something that we have gotten a lot, like quality time is something like what, with, with, you know, maybe one of our parents, not both of our parents, but one right. of our parents, um, or something that I witnessed was, you know, for me and my family, what I witnessed growing up was that my mom and dad worked different shifts. And so they didn't have, quality time mm-hmm. in my mind, even though in the beginning when we were young, my mom used to bring my dad dinner cause he worked for GM. So she would bring him okay. lunch or dinner, whatever the, you know, it's their lunchtime, but it was our dinner. She would bring him dinner for years, you know, and we would all pack up in the car, but that was that quality time. That was her, you know, that's an act of service too. You get what I'm saying? Right. And quality time. So it fed more than one love language. And I witnessed that as a child. Now, we didn't always want to go, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but my mom did that for years. And so I was able to witness that. And that was something that, so that act of service is really important to me more than even quality time. So mine is kind of married, right? A lot of times, because mm-hmm. to me, um, you can marry them. You got to learn the person, which is so important. You know, um, sometimes giving your time is an act of service. Sometimes giving up what you want to do 
and right. to do something or be with someone else is an act of service. Very good point. You know, Doc, um, as you were saying that, I thought about my situation because one of my highest, uh, my first love language is, is words of affirmation. Having said that, I always got that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that kind of, my dad died when I was young, but my mom, if I told my mom um, when I was 21 years old, listen, mom, I'm going to be an astronaut. Now, for about 30 minutes, she's going to tell me I'm crazy. She's a black mom. Right. <laughs> but she's going to say, boy, go out there looking at the garage and see if you see some astronaut boots. I got some out there somewhere. I got see if I can get you to Houston. What we need to do, she's going to be all in. Right. Because she always, she never told me I couldn't. She always told me ways. She would try, she would try to tell me, speak life into me. But at the end of the day, she's going to tell me what I can do and encourage me. Right. Having said that, if I'm in a relationship and I don't get that, I pull back. Yep. I, I don't, if I tell you right now that I want to build a 285 in Atlanta, but I want to take it all the way, all the way around the country. It's a 285 around the United States. I want you to tell me for about 30 minutes why I can't do it. And then let's start looking at some asphalt companies, you know? Right, right. right. <laughs> let's go make this happen, dude. You know, you said it. I don't see it, but let's make it happen. That's right. Um, that's how I, but, but I didn't come up in a situation where I had people saying I can't. That's just what I'm used to. That's what, that's my, that's my diet. I need that because mm-hmm. that makes me grow. So, yeah. And so you can't assume, um, you can't assume, like, if I told that story to a woman and she says, oh, my God, his mom always encouraged him. So that's obviously not what he needs. He needs X, Y, Z. Then you've made a false assumption. Yeah. You know, he, he, he needs quality time. He needs X, Y, Z. So I think it's important to ask them once again and find out, as we stated earlier, where that is coming from and why, mm-hmm. why that's important. I need to know about the GM plan. I need to know about the double shifts. Okay. So while you're talking, it's like, okay, I need to know these things. Okay, so because this has happened to her, I can understand why um, if I don't call and don't show up and, um, and make her not feel important, mm-hmm. um, make her not feel that she's valued, that mm-hmm. she's not going to go into a different place. Right. It makes sense to me now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you have to think about, um, because, uh, and I, I think a lot of women... And, you know, and I'm gonna get on women for a second. A lot of women don't even know what they want. They don't even know their own love language. They don't know their own body. They don't know a lot of things. You know, there are some that are very self-aware, but a lot of times we struggle because we have, from a societal standpoint, we have been taught to be whatever it is that you want me to be so that I can get married. Right. Right. So I don't wow. even know what it is that I need until I'm not getting it. And then it's, then it's a struggle. Right. Because in the beginning, I'm everything that you need me to be never showing to you what I am or who I am and even struggling with who and what I am. Now, I may know who I am career wise. I may know who I am, you know, in certain areas. But in terms of what I need to make me happy, I think a lot of women struggle because their ultimate goal from a societal standpoint is to be married. So I got to be whatever it is that he wants me to be, you know. Um, and, and, and little boys don't grow up thinking that way. Little boys don't grow up saying, man, <laughs> this is the tuxedo I want. Woo, man. <laughs> right. I want this tuxedo and my color going to be black and blue. 
Right. <laughs> Y'all don't even think about no colors. And even when you are, when you have found the one, you're not. Maybe whatever you decide is fine. The first time you think about colors crazy. is when the wife is playing the wedding out. And you're like, we're going to make it purple and what up. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really. Maybe some guys out there, but I don't even think a guy has ever objected to their color. Like, all right, brown and pink. Cool. Make it work, babe. Uh, so, but, you know, the funny thing about that when you were saying that is I thought about um, you talked about knowing what your partner needs and partner wants and women not knowing what they need and want. And, and let me go on to the men's side of that question, that dilemma. Sometimes we don't demand answers and you can't let a woman get away with saying, I don't know. I don't, if you love her, I don't know, it's not acceptable. And I'm going to take you to a very, very personal place right now. Um, when I was married, um, my wife and I had the same therapist. You know, we were going to marriage counseling and, and even went to this therapist a little bit. We went to her separately sometimes. And then we went to her after the divorce. And then in one of the sessions, I was talking to her. And I never told her this, and it occurred to me, this woman knows more about my wife than I do. Yep. I'm like, well, how, wait a minute now, does my wife love her more? No. <laughs> is she more compatible with my wife? No. Then why is that? Because this woman asked. And my wife felt more comfortable talking to her. Yep. So. If I am patient, if I ask the right questions, and if I make the environment comfortable, can I not get the same results? Yeah. And that was, that was earth-shaking to me. It's like, you know, it's so sad that we, you know, and of course, as a Christian, we feel we know that the two shall be one. Mm -hmm. Well, if we won, then how can somebody else know more about my right hand than my left hand does? Yep. How, that's not even practical. That's not even, that doesn't make any sense. So there's a problem. So I think that just like you said, women sometimes don't know. I think it's imperative that men um, develop the art of asking questions. Just develop that art. Just read a book on it, dude. I mean, study it. <laughs> you know, what, when, why, where, and how. Go ahead. No, I agree. I, one of the things that I had in one of my other podcasts that I did by myself solo was, you know, about marital preparedness, but really marital preparedness. And, and I say this a lot because I really, I really believe this. It's kind of like, you know, if you're not prepared for a storm, you're not, you may not survive it. Right. So those hurricanes Boom. and things like that. So you have to be prepared. You have to know the ins and outs of every parts of your relationship in order to survive Boom. when stuff happens. So it's about asking those hard questions and continuously growing together. But people, people look at that, no, marital preparedness, oh, marital, premarital therapy, whatever. And it's not really premarital therapy. It's, it, what, what I'm talking about is a formula that keeps you actively and consciously involved in this relationship. Because right. it, the moment you stop being actively and consciously involved in this relationship, you, you begin to lose hold on the marriage, the relationship. What I mean by that is uh, an outsider can slip in. Uh, careers can become more important. Uh, children can take precedent. All of these things that if you guys still were solid together because you continuously prepared yourself for, the, for everything, good and bad, because 
something happening doesn't have to be a, a career move. You know, getting a promotion is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. But it right. can destroy a relationship if you're not prepared. De- totally destroyed. And you're right. You leave root for so many things to walk in. And if you open the door, you can't be surprised that things walk in to your marriage. You open the door for the job to be number one. You open the door for dude to talk to your woman. You open the door for the woman to talk to your man. You open that door. That's right. You got to keep your doors closed. That's right. (laughs) You got to keep so that there is no root that can be sprung up. Because if you really do love him, if you really do love her, the doors be closed. Yeah. You've got that opportunity. I talked about Atlanta and marriage earlier. You have that opportunity. But in our society, we, we are in a society that we want everything to be add, add water, and stir. You know, we yes. think everything quick and easy, add water and stir. Just, you know, throw it on, bubble it for, boil it for 20 minutes and add some water to it, put some seasoning in it, go eat. And we treat marriage that way, not understanding that, like marriage, like Big Mama did, sometimes you got to start the night before. You know, yeah. you got to start cutting up vegetables and let things saute a little bit. And, hey, and talking now about you talking. Or, and, and talking about financial planning and, and talking about children and, and talking about this and where we're going to live. And, and okay, I understand you got an issue with this right now. Let's go into that issue right now. Not that I don't love you. It's that I don't want to lose you. Right. So let's talk about that right now. Let's start getting the lumber and the nails and, and the duct tape now. So that when the storm hit, because let me tell you something, as surely as my name is what it is, a storm is going to hit. That's right. It's going to hit. And nowhere on this earth, in all the beautiful places we have, there's not one location you can find where there's never a storm. That's right. A storm is not left there. A storm is coming there. So same thing in our marriage. Nobody's going to be happy every day. You know, there's a line in my book where the character says, um, marriage doesn't begin the day you say I do. Marriage begins the day you say I can't, but there's no way I can leave. When you get to that point where you say, you know what, I'm about to throw my hands up, but you know what, there is no other option. Mm -hmm. That's when you truly end. The day you say I do is just ceremonial. That's just whatever. But when you decide that this is it, then then that's that's the day your marriage begins. I'm sorry. No, I like that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I like that because that is what I talk about is that a couple of things when you were talking, a couple of things I talk about is one, the microwave thing. I think we build our houses upside down. I'll, you know, that's, that's the premise of the Chase Lounge is yeah. trying to help people flip their house back right side up. Because if you build your house uh-huh. upside down where you are all in about the excitement, the attraction, the, the love making, the fun that we have, right? That's, and then you you think that that's going to carry you throughout your marriage. And then you ain't even talked about no values, no morals, right. no beliefs or nothing. And then you get married. And now that's when all that stuff comes in, especially when you mm. have children, all that stuff comes in, but your house is upside down. Now the weight of the foundation is, is crushing the, the roof. So I'm trying to help you flip your house right side up. I love that. But that's one thing. So you talked about that. But then the other thing is that it starts when you say, I can't. Too many people say, I can't, and say, start filing them divorce papers. And that's, yeah. the, that's the thing, because we made it too easy. We've made it too easy because they're committed to the individual and not the institution of marriage. And when you commit mm-hmm. to the institution of marriage, and I'm not a pastor, right? But, <laughs> but you're doing pretty on, good. <laughs> but 
when, when you commit to the institution of marriage, right? When you say I do to whether you believe in God or not, that's what, you know, when you say I do, that's the institution of marriage is higher than any other relationship that you have. And so you have right. to understand that I'm committed to this marriage. That means for better or worse. And I ain't talking about somebody that's beating you and I'm not talking no. about, mm-hmm. you know, excuse any, um, with the exception of any abuse occurring for better or worse. That means right. that I am here on your best day and on your worst day, on mm. your first day and on your last day in terms of this marriage. But people are not willing to do that because when it gets tough, society has told us that probably ain't a good, that probably wasn't a good fit anyway. So, you know, you could find your real Mr. Right. This was just practice. Bull It's not practice. Marriage is practice. Marriage is practice because you got to continue to practice doing the things that you need to do to make it great. Marriage isn't great because you said I do. Marriage is great because of the work that you do together. Right. Okay, I'm going to step down from the podium. No, no, you did that, girl. You did that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, marriage is sometimes uh, like lifting weights. You know, uh, I used to be an athlete. And um, if, if you're an athlete, you know, let's say that you you're pretty strong and you can lift 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. But let's say you put 100 pounds on the bar and you're lifting, lifting, lifting. He's like, I lifted 10 times. Well, you guess what? You got no benefit from that because it was too light for you. Mm-hmm. The weight, the increase in the muscle size and increase in your strength becomes the ink when your struggle is at its apex. When you are struggling, which is why you hear weightlifters say, give me one more, give me one more, give me one more. Because that's when growth occurs in the midst of your pain. Not the time to give up, not the time to quit, not the time to say, forget this, I'm just going to go home. No, that's when you start to grow. Somebody asked Muhammad Ali, how many push-ups do you do? I mean, sit-ups do you do? He said, I really can't tell you because I don't start counting until they start to burn. Mm-hmm. All that other stuff that I do, that honeymoon, that let's go meet the parents, that let's go pick out clothes for the kids, all that cute that was just the fun stuff. Yeah. The, 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 the growth becomes when you had every reason to doubt him mm-hmm. and you still believe in him. Mm-hmm. When she's giving you every reason to sit there and say, you know what, I can't do this no more. But then you look up and say, you know what, but I'm not going nowhere. We yeah. end it. Yeah. That's when growth occurs. And I noticed that you, don't na- you didn't name your, your show The Chase Bedroom. Right. You said it, The Chase Lounge. And I think that's also a problem because we get things out of order. And, and at a certain point in life, you got to know how to structure your life to get the maximum benefit from the experience. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to treasure it, then you can't, you can't, you can't get upset when it's, 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 it's tossed away and it's garbage. If, I, if somebody sent me a, a copy of the Mona Lisa, and, 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 and I put it, I took it out of the box and I rolled it and you know, unrolled it, put it in my bathroom with some staples in it. It's still the Mona Lisa. It's nothing wrong with the Mona Lisa. I didn't value it. Mm-hmm. Marriage the same way. If yeah. you treat it like garbage, there's nothing wrong with the marriage. You didn't value it. You didn't make it. You didn't make it the foundation of your life. You didn't sit there and say, I am literally going to, let me see that. And that vow, those vows, they said something about forsaking all others. Talk about it. <laughs> okay. Forsaking. 
That means mama, dad, brother, NFL package. That means job. That means I'm focusing on her. Yep. I'm focusing on him. I'm going to forsake everything and all others. And then the structure, once you using your beautiful analogy about the house, now my foundation is in place. Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing about a foundation, though, is this. Um, if you're passing by a site and they put in a, a five-foot foundation, you know if it's going down five feet, the house is only going to go up maybe 30 feet. Um, they're not going to build a skyscraper right. with a five feet foundation, but to get a really good, to build a really big and impressive building, you got to go down the earth 30, 40, 50, 60 feet. It's going to take more than two days, 10 days, 20 days. Matter of fact, going deeper into that, this, the concrete has to cure. It has to set. You have to pour it in there, let it set and leave it. Yes. It takes more than 15 minutes to sit there and say, let's get married. Okay, great. Let's go do. No, boo. Because <laughs> right. if you do that, you can't get upset when the winds come and your house gets pushed over. That's because right. you had nothing. You know, my old friend, I had a friend who lived in Houston. And um, one of my best friends passed away about three years ago this month. I still remember that dude. But um, he always said, Tim, you got to know a woman through four seasons. And not only the literal year, but also through anger, through jealousy, through every season of her emotions, because they're all there. So you got to see her through them things um, and understand what you're dealing with so that that relationship can cure, can become molded, can, can, can become hardened. Yeah, I, I, I like that. One of the things that I used to say when I worked with adolescent boys um, in Detroit, because I'm originally from Michigan. So when I worked with okay. adolescent boys in Detroit, one of the things I used to say is that the work doesn't begin until they, I make them angry. So until I make them angry, the work doesn't begin. <laughs> because that's when, I, that's when your truest self shows up, right? Like when I make you angry, then we can begin to work because now the real stuff is coming up and out. And, you know, people didn't necessarily believe me, but I still believe that to this day. Like, we don't really know who you are and how you manage problems until you get angry. I have to see you angry first. So if me and you have never had any issues and we can come out getting married, I don't know. That I mean, it may be a blessing, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it this way. The Bible tells us that Jesus got angry. Jerome get angry. <laughs> Don't let Jerome, don't let the smooth taste fool you. Exactly. Jerome gets angry. So you've got to see him through that to see how he reacts because um, he could be the kind of person who get angry and just want to be alone. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he could be the kind of person who gets in his car and just leave. And he might be gone for two days, three days. Right. Okay. Now you see how he's processing this. He could be the kind of person who put his hands on you. Right. Okay. Because that's what he's seen and he could lack the verbal skills to talk it out. And let's be honest, most women can talk more than most men and more articulate than most men. So you know what I do? I'll slap in your face. Now I want control. Right. Okay. Now I know what I'm dealing with. Right. And do you want to put yourself through that? So I think that's a wonderful rule to see and to see her. How does she act when she's angry? What does she, what's her 
what's her default mechanism? Mm-hmm. When all this is going apart, when she doesn't feel she's in control, what does she do in those seasons? So yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's, you know, really solid uh, insight. You know what I'm saying? In terms of you have to see someone. I had a, um, one of my good friends and, and, and mentor even, she used to, she was my first supervisor. She used to say, you know, you have to meet on all planes and, and you know, with mm. that person, you know, spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, you know, all of those things. And when you, when that person meets all of those needs that you have in those different planes, then that's probably the, you know, you, you connected with that person. But she used to say too, it takes at least six months to see somebody. You know, if you start trying to get married to someone before six months, you know, because it takes six months for the representative to to go away <laughs> and the real person to, to emerge. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. Get- you know, it takes some time. But some people, depending on how how savvy they are, can outweigh the six months. They most certainly can. If they're playing games, they can definitely outweigh the six months because 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 their heart is not in it. Yep. And they're wearing this mask. They're wearing this representative of who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's why, going back to what you said earlier, that's why you got to make sure. And I'm not talking about maliciously pushing buttons to set right. somebody off. No. Because I, I, I don't I like it. that at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that at all. But just letting life take its place. And, and if you've had six months of a honeymoon and nothing has happened, then push things back six more months. Yeah. Because something's going to happen. And you, there are places in this earth that the weather is usually nice most of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then, a tsunami go hit. Right. <laughs> and take out half the village. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So um, just wait for that tsunami to hit your life. Yeah. And, and again, sometimes it comes up, you know, getting back to the, the topic a little bit. But it comes up with, when those love languages, you know what I'm saying? Like you were saying before when that wife was expecting you to spend time and you brought a win, mm-hmm. a ring, you know, mm-hmm. that may be when you see her going to herself, when you see her withdraw and that makes you angry. Cause here you didn't spend, you know, $5,000 on this ring. Right. Right. And now right. you're angry. And now how do, how, what would you suggest or how do you, what would you say, you know, would begin the process of beginning to communicate maybe, you know, about that process. Like, cause I think that that's true. People don't even, you know, cause before the words, before the book came out, we didn't have love languages to describe that. So mm-hmm. how would someone begin that conversation? Cause not everybody's read the book, you know? So mm-hmm. how do we begin to talk about love languages in terms of when they collide, you know, when, when they're not compatible, you know, because I think some things are not necessarily compatible. You know, if yours is, you know, um, gift giving and mine is quality time, they may not be compatible, right? Unless you can appreciate my gift of time as a gift, you know? I think you go back to before this is this is something that should be discussed in the dating season um just to see if it is compatible Mm -hmm. um let's stay on this topic of languages in the in the natural form of languages there are some languages um that is very very foreign to our tongue Mm -hmm. you know to speak french and english and spanish um it's not foreign because you're using the same parts of your tongue but if you got to clock and you got to tick and you got to use certain parts of your tongue that other people have been doing for centuries, mm-hmm. 
it's very easy for them to do certain things in their language, but it'd be very difficult for you to even learn how to speak some Africanas languages, et cetera, yes. et cetera, because it's so foreign to what you've heard and to physically what you've done. Um, you may think acts of service is something that you can easily adapt to um, until you've had a father who demanded that you come and pull his shoes off every night and to massage his feet. And if you didn't do it, you got your worst beating you ever got. Yeah. Well, if a man tells you, well, honey, you know, for me, acts of services, just honestly, you know, if you could have like lunch made for me in the morning. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not doing that for no man. Because I said when I grew up, I ain't never done. And that's okay. Now you understand what your hindrance is in that love language. Mm-hmm. So you're not, now your dilemma is decide this. Well, on both ends, A, if you're on the, on the giving side of that, is making that sandwich more important than keeping them in my life? Right. And the answer to that could be, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'd rather get another man who make his own sandwiches. And that's okay if you've done that before you got married. Um, that's you where you need to do it, right? You need to find right. out this stuff before you, need to you find get married. That's the problem. And you call your girlfriend up and say, child, this dude here I met, he make his own sandwiches, he cleans his own shoes, <laughs> and you have found your perfect man because for him, it doesn't matter. On the other end, you have to decide, if she never makes me a sandwich, can I still be happy? Right. <laughs> if right. I never get anything, can I live without having this act of service done for me? Yeah. Um, it's a compromise. Yeah. Um, and so you have to decide how important it is to learn that language as well as possibly not to get that language. And it's always done, once again, in the preparatory, in the foundational part of the marriage. Because now if you're in the marriage yes. and he getting upset and it's like, you know what, I can't believe, you know, you've never made me lasagna. And I've told you 10 times. Now you feel trapped. Now you feel, you know what, screw you. I'm not, I, I'm not your mate. Yeah. Now we got another issue. Because you didn't do the work in ahead of time, now you feel, you know, and he feels, going back to the gifts, I gave you the diamond ring, you never wear it. You mm-hmm. are so unappreciative. I right. cannot believe you didn't wear this ring. Because right. why? Because when I was growing up, God knows if I had gotten that back, if I had gotten one bike for my birthday, oh my God, I'd have been out there. But that's you, boo. That's not her. That's, yeah. that's how you would do. Yes. But guess what? You didn't marry you. You married her. <laughs> right. So your job is to find out what she needs. Yeah. And and that's that is so key. You know, I, I think about it and I'm thinking about myself in terms of, you know, because sometimes I feel like there are certain people, you know, compatible. You have to know mm-hmm. what you're what you're able to do, right? So again, going back to, you know, men typically are uh, just in general, let's just speak in general terms. Mm -hmm. Men are generally fall under the main three are going to be words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. acts of service and physical Mm -hmm. touch. Um, Women, women typically fall in under. Now, there are some words of affirmation for women, um, especially those that, you know, need that. But generally they fall in the gifts and then the quality time and acts of service, too. I think each both men and women will share that acts of service yeah yeah but you know typically two of them are more men like the affirmations and physical touch and then the women are more quality time and gift um, gift giving 
um, or want gifts anyway. That's what, you know, they mm -hmm. want. Uh, mm -hmm. So I find it interesting because I think that when I think about myself, it's not that I can't do words of affirmation, but I find it with certain things, and this is my, the way my brain, this is Chandra, not therapist speaking, Chandra okay. speaking, it, it's certain things in my mind, it's like, why I got to tell you good job, that's something you're supposed to be doing. Like, I got to keep telling you, you know. <laughs> like, what you want, a cookie? Right. Why I got to keep telling you that? So I know that if, if that is his main thing, right? Oh, it's going to be difficult for me. because I And then I have this thing about being fake and phony. Like, I'm only going to congratulate you, give you praise if I truly feel that way. So it's difficult for me to be, if you're a person that needs that all the time, that's one thing, but if you need it because of when when you have accomplished something, when you have done great things, when you and I'm all in there and I'm supporting you and I'm making it happen with you, then I could do that. I think that it comes naturally. I think that when there's this, uh, I almost want to say insecurity that comes mm -hmm. in with that words of affirmation. Sometimes I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for I can't I can't do that for you constantly. Like mm -hmm. I know that. That's me. And that's important to identify the struggle in doing that. I will also say that there are vixens out there who've mastered that. And they know that they pump that Negro's head up or pump that boy's head up, they can get anything they want from him. Yeah. You so fine. You so good looking. Oh my God. You make twenty five thousand a year? Every year? Oh my God. <laughs> Every year? Do they give it to you in one lump sum or you get it every week? You get it every week, boy? Oh, my God. You are the bomb. She knows how to speak. And everyone, yes, right, baby. I get 25. I might get 28 next year. Watch out. So, wow. <laughs> watch out, boy. And she knows how to. Um, how about this? There's a TikTok video um, that I see. And I hate to say it, but I get it every, I watch it every time she comes on. It's a sister. And all she's saying is, you are the king. You are an important black man. Man, every man out there, everybody out there want to be you. They like your style. They like your, look at your skin color. Look at your hair. For 30 seconds, this is going on. She's got millions of black men following her. Absolutely. If you read the, if you read the lines, the comments, you see things like this. How about this? Thank you. Mm -hmm. I needed that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. I was struggling because we deal with so much in I agree. the world. I, see, I listen to the news. I'm a news hound. I listen to these congressmen talking about um, what's going on in D.C. and how they are afraid and how they feel afraid that, you know, they, some of the police they're finding out were mixed in the crowd and they don't know who to trust and who's there to help or who don't who to hurt. And I've said on Facebook, welcome to my world. Yeah. That's 24-7, boo. I live every day that way. You want to see me soil myself? Let a blue light come in my mirror in my background, in my rearview mirror. I don't care. I drive the speed limit. I'm, if I see it, I'm scared to death. Yeah. I don't want to go out at night because of that same reason. Yeah. So you got this man coming home, and if you don't give him what he needs, he's going to feel, you are treating me just like society treats me. Right. Right. So I, you can't get upset when he sits there and say, you know what? Deuces. Why do I always leave? Because there was something he wasn't getting. 
I never leave if everything is being fulfilled. Yes. So you have to do a, a self-analysis. Don't just say, all oh, men are dogs, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's lazy thinking. Yes. That's lazy. Yes. I don't want to be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. So me and my girlfriends, we ain't got nobody. We going to sit there and say, all oh, men are dogs and black men, this and black man that. No, don't even go into that there. Be honest with yourself. What maybe... You know, there's an old song we say in the thing in the black church that goes, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh Lord. Mm-hmm. Just be honest, look in the mirror and say, what can, forget, I know Jerome is terrible, blah, 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 blah. Is there one thing I could have done better? Yeah. Let me work on that area of improvement. And then maybe the next time I won't go down the same old road again. Well, I, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, I, um, when I first started the Chase Lounge, I sent out a, um, in my newsletter, 10, 10 points or a checklist for um, a fair proof in your relationship. And that's like mm. bullet number two. Wow. Do an assessment. Do an I assessment. Because if you, if you wouldn't date you, right? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Why would they want to date you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you weren't you, would you date you? You have to be able to say, am I giving? Am I loving? Am I am I providing? Whatever it is that I want back, you know, am I able to do that in a relationship? Because if you're I not... A, I have a sermon entitled, Are You the You that you are looking for? And sometimes the answer to that is blatantly no. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't got enough money for me, <laughs> right? And You're so, not stable enough for me. I think that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think that um, I love these kind of conversations, and I love you know one of the things that I love most about it is that there's this dialogue between a positive dialogue between black women and men. I think that mm-hmm. that's important for people to see. I think the the genuineness, the honestness that you and I have shared during this this podcast is really important um, because it allows people to see that you know anything is possible and that we ha- we have control over how we uh, interpret information, how we use information, and how we go about uh, setting our parameters within our relationship. So I think mm-hmm. that it's it's really important for us to have these kind of dialogues. Um, in, in a positive way, because what has happened historically all the time that you see, you see all the time, there's black men and women uh, talking about if you didn't, if I didn't, if we didn't, right. you know, it's this, this negative going back and forth instead of kind of coming together and being honest about, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I can't give you words of affirmation all day, boo. Like that's right. just not, that's not, when there's certain things that I see that you should be doing anyway, well, I got to congratulate right, you on that. Right, right. So knowing that about me, then I know that that cannot be your primary for me. Like the man that I, I end up with, that cannot be his primary. I understand that you need it and I will give it because I think it comes easy and naturally when there's that love connection. I think, you know, praising and telling you how good you look and all that stuff comes naturally when I also am, when you're, Eating my quality time, right? Because then I'll be like, oh, when you giving me what I need, it's easy for me to give you what you need. But mm-hmm. it's when exactly. we are competing to get what, he, what we need from each other that it's difficult for me to say, I'm able to give you that. And a lot of times there's a lot of competition, which is another bullet point in, my rela- in the affair, proofing your relationship. 
you're on the same team. It has to be the two of you against the world. So if you are in competition with each other, then it's, you're leaving the room, the doors, as we said earlier, open for someone to, to walk in. When you're competing with each other, it opens up the door for someone else because all they need is a little bit of space. They don't need a whole lot of That's room. That's all they need. That's they all need they need. And the, a crack where the um, light comes through. <laughs> <laughs> and they will figure out how to get the rest of the way in. You understand what I'm saying? So you yeah. can't leave any cracks in your relationship if this is where you want to be. But people don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. work. Pastor, they don't want to do the work. It takes a lot of work. You had mentioned a competition before. And... Um, I think that it could, it should be, instead of being a competition against each other, it should be a competition for each other. And, and the way I like to put it is this, there's a word that we use in the church that many people have issues with. And I wish there was another way word to use, but I'll even say it. It might sound a little blasphemous, but the word is submission. And the reason it's, a bla- it's blasphemous because so many people have used that word the wrong way. Yes. Um, you get to beat people down and the ugliness of that word. So I like to talk about a submission competition. Mm-hmm. The man doing everything he can to please her, to set her off. Keeping in mind, if I don't get anything else in return, will I be okay? Right. So if it, if it's, Spending time with her, if she never does anything for me, I'm going to be okay because that's what I'm going to deal with. But I'm going to man up and spend this time with I'm not going into it looking for anything. One of the verses in the book of Corinthians is that love is not self-serving. Yes. That's not love, boo. That's yes, something not. See, see, if I have to give you something to get something, that's not the relationship between a man and a woman. That's the relationship between a John and a whore. Yeah. If yeah. Or it's a business arrangement, right? It's a business. If I got to give you something to get something, then y'all got the wrong. Well, he didn't do this for me, so I'm not doing that. For- Wait, stop. Wait, freeze. Back up. <laughs> Why do you have to do anything for you to get something in return? Mm-hmm. He's paying for that. He meant to be paying with currency, but he's paying. So, so when you get that mindset out your head and say, you know what? Forget that. I love this dude. I love this chick. Mm-hmm. This is my ride or die. Mm-hmm. So if she never does the, if she never fixes me the sandwich in the morning, guess what? I ain't got no sandwiches in the morning. Big whoop. But if she needs X, Y, Z, because this marriage is my foundation, because this is what we're building our future on it, if she needs that, that's what she gonna get. Yeah. And you said something very beautiful earlier. Because if I give you everything you need, you will give me everything I want. Yeah. And it's not going to be, put it this way, when I played ball, the best coaches were the coaches that inspired you to want to reach to say run through a wall. Not because they sit there and said, if you don't run through that wall, I'm going to get that bat and I'm going to beat you in the head with it. No, you did it because you didn't want to let them down. Yes. You didn't want them to be disappointed. You didn't want yeah. them to sit there and say, oh my God, I can't. You know, you wanted them to, 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 to want, you, you wanted to please them so much. When I was raising my um, son, my son, I never had to, well, I did take him twice. I'm going to lie. I said, 
<laughs> so, but see, sometimes it's about their safety, which is something different. You know, if I had you pull, compromise I had pull them your back safety, then I'm going to spank yeah. you because I need you to, you know, memory is with the, with the emotionally driven. So anyway. <laughs> no, when I, but, when, but when he was coming up, it was in the 90s. And uh, this is when you was watching uh, Lion King, like over and over and over and over yeah. and over. And uh, there's a scene in Lion King with, with Mufasa and Simba. And uh, I, I, I looked him in the eye one day. He had done something. I said, Jake, I am in my best James Earl Jones voice. I said, Jake, I'm very, very disappointed in you. And he got, <laughs> why? He wanted to please his father. Mm-hmm. If you want to please your wife, if you want to please your husband, the same thing that happened. You would never have to put your hands on them. You would never have to talk to another person, another man, another woman, everything, because you're being, you're being satisfied at home. So the desire, you want to submit to them. You want to go on both ways. You want to make them happy because that smile sets you off. And that's your reward. Not the sandwich, <laughs> not, not, the, not the quality time. The fact that he smiled. Mm-hmm. That's your reward. That becomes your, when your smile can become your partner's love language, it's over. Yeah. It's yeah. over. It's over. I, I, I like a lot of what you said, but I, I agree um, that we have got to do it because, <coughs> with no expectation of anything in return. Mm-hmm. No expectation of anything in return. And people have a difficult time to, with doing that because Western society says, you know, something totally different. You know, transactional. Huh? It's transactional. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's everything yeah. is everything is about uh, what am I going to get? What can you do for me? You know, what you bring into the table? How much you got? You know, versus <laughs> let's let's collaborate and let's put all of what we both have on the table and then figure out which you know what we need to move forward. Right. But it's more what you bring to the table because if you ain't even bringing enough to the table, you can't sit down. Mm, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's the thought. And and so so we have to do it because and also being patient. You know, he may or she may not be able to make that sandwich in the beginning, but when you begin to love her, uncondition. I mean, unconditionally, right? Selflessly, right. then right. making that sandwich for you <laughs> ain't gonna be a problem. Trust me. It won't she be a problem. You, have, you won't just have one sandwich, sandwich. You have two or three sandwiches. You, you're going to have snacks. You're going to have all kinds of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? So but, if the sandwich is not there, then you have to ask them, why, what am I doing? Yeah. And I, in our society, our, our, ish, our problem, and you, God knows, I know you know this is the therapist, we want to project mm-hmm. on the other person. Mm-hmm. Our issues. Yes. So if the sandwich is not there, it's because she wasn't raised right. It's yeah. because she don't care. It's because yeah. she does. She, 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 she. Dude, maybe it's you. Maybe yeah. she ain't making it because you. I'm not giving her the desire yeah. to please you in that way. Yeah. But when you have really pleased her, you're right. She'll be looking for rye bread and toasted and cutting designs in it. And <laughs> you're right. <laughs> she gonna hook that. You gonna get a sandwich, boy. I'm telling you, the sandwich yeah. gonna be there. Exactly. And, and, <laughs> You know, that was another point on my uh, um, affair proof in your relationship is the difference when your relationship shifts from desire to obligation. 
And when you do, wow. when you begin acting out of obligation versus mm -hmm. desire, mm -hmm. again, you opening up a door, you know, because when you right. just feel obligated to do things because you're married or because you have children, that right there, you know, desire is so much more powerful than obligation. I love that. You are 100% right. And, and in our culture, we don't want to be forced to do anything. Mm -hmm. Don't make me do nothing. It's a black experience. You know, um, we don't want to be forced to do anything. I'm going to make my own decisions. Yeah. And so the key to it is to not make it feel forced, but come out of desire to please yes. that person. When yeah. you're able yeah. to switch that light um, in their society, in their minds, then you got a relationship that can be valued. But we have to look at also Western culture. We don't. We we are people from Africa who went through 400 years of the most di disgusting thing that has ever happened to people on the face of this earth. Mm -hmm. Having said that, it's different for us. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep in mind that society saying do ABC, but ABC may not work out for us because we are, we've been trained differently. Mm -hmm. We have seen different things coming up. Mm -hmm. Put it this way, growing up, I never seen one black man that I looked at and said, I want to be like him. Yeah. Nothing but the grace of God brought me to where I am. Mm -hmm. I saw pimps, players, hustlers, whores, and all these other de de negative things. They didn't even know it. I knew one person that grew up, I grew up with that went to college. Right. So, so you put me in the room with Steve, and you wonder, well, why isn't he achieving the same thing? We have different experiences. Yeah. Okay, let's take it to marriage. We, we have different expectations and different needs in the marriage than Steve and Becky needs in their marriage because mm -hmm. they, were not, they didn't come from the same culture. Mm -hmm. There's a book um, written by a Stanford professor, and I'll even give you a warning before I even give you the title because the, war, the title is pretty offensive, but it's a, very, it's a good book. The title of the book is, is Marriage for White People. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the point that he's making in the book is that, look at the facts. I mean, the divorce rate amongst our people are, is higher. Mm -hmm. It's higher not only in the church, but it's higher as well as outside the church. Mm -hmm. So we have to be honest with ourselves and see, okay, why is that the case? Mm -hmm. Maybe we're trying to dance to music that was not programmed for us to dance to in our marriage. So one of the points he mentions in there is that, um, that when Saul Goldstein and, and, and his wife get an argument, mom and dad listen to Saul and they'll listen to him and hear, let him hear it out. But when, hear him out. But when the day is over, they're going to say, okay, Saul, that's nice. Go back to your wife, honey. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Rodriguez, go back to your wife. You know, Mr. Patel, yeah, that's nice. Whatever. Go back and make your marriage work. Mm -hmm. We have far too many people in our, in our culture will say, you don't need him. You don't need her. Come on to your mama house. She did what? Why? Because we're used to being pulled apart. Mm -hmm. Our culture taught us to be pulled apart. So, you know, we, we separated families. <laughs> Not at the border, but right at, at, on the slave yard. Se separate them, separate mm -hmm. them, separate them. Mm -hmm. So, and we are not, we are, some of us are only three or four or maybe five generations from that happening. Right. It didn't happen 3,000 years ago. Right. So that DNA, that gene, that, 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 that spirit is still on our people. 
Mm-hmm. So instead of us fighting to get to stay together, we'll fight to be single again. Yeah. Get this. I don't need this. Well, because I'm we don't have, we don't even I know do what it means. I bad by myself. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're right. We don't even know what it means. And then we're trying to define ourselves by a Western standard that doesn't necessarily fit us. And so, you know, so there's so much, you know, that I, I, I know your time is valuable. There's a lot that I really want to continue to, to talk okay. to you about because I think that um, I really would like to do a series, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because there's so much that, you know, you're right, that we have to look at how we try to, we, we try to put ourselves in this box that doesn't necessarily fit us. And so right. we have to figure out and define, like, I think every relationship needs to do that, regardless of race. You have to define mm-hmm. what oneness means to you. But when we're talking about Black society or Black culture, you have to look at, you're trying to put yourself and compare yourself to Becky and her and, and, and Ryan or Steve, and it doesn't, it doesn't correlate. You know, right. they, we don't even have the same supports. One, we don't have a, a a couple of generations of positive relationships that maintain and stay exactly. married. Not all of us. I was lucky enough that my grandparents stayed married and my parents stayed married until, you know, death threw them apart. But the problem with that though, is that they weren't healthy. They weren't good marriages. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So just because, so we have to, we have to, we have to look at and sometimes unlearn what was, what was taught to us. And so how do you unlearn it while you're trying to create something new and 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 positive you know that that's a more of a rhetorical think about question but you you get what i'm saying there's a lot that goes into this because our parents a lot of times teach us how to have bad marriages how to have bad relationships not good ones yeah so we have to unlearn that unlearn what is expected from society and create something that is no please no that's going to work for us as a unit because because we have different classisms, we have different, all kinds of things that are going on in, in the black community, right? So my first, my first, my only, my ex-husband, he came from a, what, what would be considered more poor, right? And I came from working class, but the money that my parents made was more like middle class. So we had middle class standards. They would have had more, you know, poor class, if you will, or underprivileged class. So there were values that, you know, I had shared with him and he could have some of my, share some of my same values, but getting there was the issue, right? So being able to embrace it in a way that I was embracing it may have been more difficult. So there was a lot of, because I was young, there was a lot of obligation. I'm not marrying no man that don't have a degree. So that was a requirement, right? You know what I'm saying? Even though I hadn't finished my degree, but you know, that was something because that was, I had those middle-class standards. And so here he's not, he's jumping past working class to go from poor or underprivileged class to middle-class values. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we had a, we had, we're divorced, but we did have a great marriage. We just had, you know, we had some, you know, some hiccups and, and part of our reason for getting a divorce is that we grew apart because we both wanted children and it didn't occur within the first couple of years of us. So that began, you know, that's that storm that you, you know, you don't, think it's going to come and and that's a hurricane both of you desire (laughs) children doesn't happen that's a hurricane that's not just a storm that's a hurricane that's coming in and tearing up everything that you guys see how you see each other how you see yourself and that and then trying to put that back together not everybody's able to do it we was young so we weren't able to do it at that point you know 
Um, so I think that it's important for us to to figure out how to to make marriage work for us in terms of the black community. How how do we define it? What what it looks like for us? And and I think that's a whole nother topic. But you know, I think that that's no, a, that's very powerful. You know, my situation as I mentioned, my my dad died when I was young, but I don't remember him and my mom ever arguing. Now, I'm sure they had, I know they had disagreements, but as my five, six, seven-year-old mind thought back, it was a very idealized relationship. So, therefore, my idea of relationship was the Brady Bunch. My yes. idea of relationship was the, uh, was, uh, the Cosby Show. Yes. So, we take that idealized relationship from my past, add on it, the, the Brady Bunch, <laughs> add on it, if Cleve Huxable, I go and say I do. And she's saying, wait a minute, this don't compute. Where, where's, what's this happening you're talking about? That's not how it's supposed to be. Right. Because my idea of a relationship was so foreign to reality. Yes. You know, and had we allowed, going back to the beginning of this, the relationship to cure. Yeah. The foundation to blend and to solidify the right amount of time. Then I would have known what these expectations was. And I would have been able to see her act. Unlike Claire Huxtable, I would have seen I would have seen that real sister come out and be like, "Wait a minute, I don't remember what episode this was," and I would have known how to deal with it. <laughs> I don't remember this episode here, and uh, so so yeah, I think even in your situation, um, his situation, and my situation, you're looking at this triangle of three opposing viewpoints of marriage, yeah. and then people come together, and you wonder. Well, why is there conflict? Yeah. How can there not be conflict? Yes. Yes. That, that is, that was beautifully said. Cause I, I agree. It's like, you know, and then the thing is we didn't, me and him, we talked a lot, but we didn't talk about what do you think is marriage, what, is, what marriage is mm -hmm. and about, and, oh, uh, you know, and I was going to school to be a therapist, but again, that wasn't something you just, wow. I love you. You love me. We, you know, we, we understand we don't want it to be like our parents, but we know, you know so yeah. But you didn't go into detail. And I think that, I think you said a 10-point questionnaire you, you have. I think that's vitally important. Mm -hmm. I think that's vitally important to, to be honest with yourself. So many times when people do things like that in the beginning, they don't want to be honest because they don't want to lose the person. Yes. So yes. I'm not going to be, don't worry about that. You know, don't, don't even worry. Be, be blatantly honest yes. with him. Be blatantly honest with her and to say this honestly is a non-negotiable. I got to have this. Yes. Or, or this is what I really want. Yes. Um, and guess what? If I can't do, if I can't give you that quality time, I'm telling you, I don't really value you. And right. that's okay. Yeah. But hear it now. Don't hear it does. Somebody out there waiting to do that. Exactly. Wait to do that. They just cannot. They they looking for a woman they can spend that quality time with, or that man they can make a ham sandwich for. They want to do that. So you know, just be patient and wait for that right person. Yeah, I I, I think that's really good advice. I was going to ask you, um, did you have any any other uh, nuggets or um, thoughts of wisdom to leave with the Chase Lounge before I let you get out of here? Because this is this has really been a <laughs> great conversation um i think that right. you know i know i thoroughly enjoyed it i think that everybody that listens will will get something out of this conversation that we've had but any other thoughts oh i thank you for this opportunity i'm just going to say that that love is hard it is hard 
and we are opposed to anything that's hard or anything that's difficult and we shut down. It's our natural reflux and we walk away and run. But it's hard because it's beautiful. Because there's absolutely positively nothing else in the world that can compare to it. There's nothing in the world that can compare to it. So if it's easy, do you really want it? Is it really worth it? it well, how many things in life that are value are easy? They don't, you don't find diamonds on the beach, just lines of diamonds. You know, you just go pick them up, scoop the diamonds. You got the dig. And yeah. then when you see it, you don't even realize it's a diamond. Right. And then you got to polish it and you got to spend money. That's why, because it's a thing of value. Yeah. Same thing in a relationship. It's just not easy. You just don't say, oh, we've been married 30 years and we've never had an argument. Dude, that's not realistic. Right. But because it's hard, the harder you have to work on it, the more beautiful it becomes. And I just really appreciate this opportunity. And I want to remind your viewers to check out my website, Pastor Timothy, Pastor spelled the common way, Timothy, T I M. M-O-T-H-Y dot com. Check it out. We have the newsletter there. If you sign up for the newsletter, not only will we send you an excerpt of the first uh, two or three chapters, but you'll be registered to get a free copy of the book, Divorcing Atlanta. Can't wait. A lot of things we talked about is in that book, so I can't wait to, to, that, for that book to be released. That's going to be released on April the 6th, 2020. Thank you so very much for the opportunity. No, thank you. Thank you for coming on and, and sharing your time and your wisdom with me. I appreciate it. I think that um, I'm glad that actually a lot of what we talked about is in the book because then I want to have you back yes. for the release or around that time if you want to come back. Now, in April, I was planning on doing um, my a fair proofing or a fair recovery series. So um, if you want to wow. be a part of that, don't don't hesitate. I would love to have you come and talk. I'll, I'll uh, but that's what I'm going to be talking about. So it's, it's a, it's a fair recovery because I don't think that any affair, not all affairs have to end the relationship that sometimes you can recover from that. Right. So, um, right. so that's why Very I'm on a five part Very series on that. So, hmm? okay. Yeah. Count so we in. can definitely, and I want to spend some time talking about the book cause it's going to be released. And I think that that'd be, um, not that there's an affair in the book. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, there's an affair. And how about this? It's an emotional affair. And That's the, and, and, see, and I think that people don't realize that emotional affairs are harder to recover from than a physical. They don't realize that. Right. Because you right. gave your heart to somebody else. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. There's a difference when you give your body to somebody else because you might have already gave your body to someone before I met you, but to give your heart to somebody else in a way that, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it can be very difficult to uh, recover from. So I definitely would love to have you back and talk about I your book and talk about that. We have a discussion on that book. You better count me and I'm, I would love to do that. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll, we will see you back soon. So I appreciate it. Again, that is pastortimothy.com and yes. it's Divorce in Atlanta. Correct. Please sign up so that you can get a copy. I think you will be pleasantly, um, surprised and happy yes. with your copy, yes. you know? Yes. So thank you again for coming on the Chase Lounge. Um, and remember, always speak your truth. Hey, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for spending your time with me and keeping me company. If you have a topic you would like to suggest, please email me at stormcommunications2019 at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the conversation, please share with your friends 
or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchasers, or on my website. And remember, always speak your truth.